Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this episode, we got to welcome the musician Claude to the show. We hope that you enjoy our interview. Well, welcome to Why Not Both. Oh, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. It was really cool getting uh, your music and being like, oh my God, now I get to listen to all new music and now I get to talk to the person that made all the music. (laughs) (laughs) It's a strange phenomenon getting to meet people from your living room on the internet. I know, it's so weird. (laughs) have you been doing a lot of that during the um all of this yeah I literally just like put a song out with somebody I've never met before only like virtually which felt really weird we were like whoa I feel like we know each other because we've been talking online for so long but then we realized that we've never actually met in person (laughs) Yes, like that weird intimacy that you form with someone when you're working with them online. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So weird. Were you doing like, were you trading files back and forth or were you actively like writing on Zoom or I guess like, what was that process like? Um, I don't know how to write on Zoom. (laughs) It'd be more (laughs) like we would like FaceTime and then send each other bounces and like stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to another artist that said that they were writing over, like, over a Zoom, and I was like, how does that even work? Like, so weird. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I would imagine it would be like you described, where you talk about an idea, and then, like, you kind of go off to your own little corners, and then you, like, show the other person your idea, and you're like, what? And you're like, mm-hmm. do we have things here? And exactly, it's so weird. Yes, yes. I'm glad to hear that you were making music though during this time. Like it's been, it's been up and downy for other artists I've talked to, mm-hmm. and understandably so. Um, like I guess were there any points in this that you were like, um, I'd like to do something other than make music? Uh, yeah, that's why I started like drawing because <laughs> I was like, I need a break. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. What have you been drawing? Like, what have you enjoyed doing with that? Well, it started because I ended up like drawing the cover art for my album. And then with that came, okay, now you have to draw the backside and now you have to design the vinyl inserts. And now it's like, you know, all that stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's, so I've sort of just been like creating this whole like super monster world. And it's, it's been really fun. It's been really fun. That's awesome. Especially because like creating the visuals for albums, like, I don't know, I find it's really interesting collaborating with people on the visuals, but there's a different like zestiness of creating your own visuals. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think it, I think, 
I, f I felt way more connected to my album after putting like my own visuals on it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Cause they look almost, it's funny. I'm looking over at my computer screen so I can look at them. Like there's the art for, I'm like, I'm like reading it from afar. It looks like um, guard down where it's like, there's someone that's like opening the windows and it actually reminds me of like the tarot card for like the sun and the star like just the way the colors are mapped out and like the outlines and I was like do you do tarot is that what informed oh, because of my association <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so interesting I, do, I don't I just yeah that's that's interesting yeah because it looks like it's interesting because in tarot you're working with kind of like the symbols as opposed to necessarily like oh this card means uh like it's never like you pull a card and you're like ah this is the card that means your your trash will be taken out on tuesday like it's very <laughs> it's more symbolic than literal and like when looking at that image like that's what it looks like to me and i was like oh that must have been really interesting like how did you translate kind of the content of your songs into the symbols of images I mean, I don't know, it's just, I see my music is really colorful, uh, really bright, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and then it's sort of, I don't know, like all my songs are very visual to me. Mm -hmm. Sorry, New York is loud. I don't know if you can hear the honking. That's hilarious because on your end I hear honking and then on mine I was like, oh, I hope that they don't hear the helicopters that are coming <laughs> over my place right now in LA. I don't know what they're doing or why, but like they're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the classic like New York LA dynamic of like, sorry about the honking. Ugh, sorry about the helicopters. <laughs> Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be loud <laughs> that was the best punctuation <laughs> i know <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that your collaborator that you were working with was like far away were they in la or like i guess how did you end up meeting up with them virtually well uh i feel like most of my friends i make on the internet like it's mm -hmm. sort of just that's always how that has happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so I featured on this uh, um, like Rit Momney song and he lives in Utah. Mm -hmm. So I, there was no way I'd ever actually meet him because I've never been to Utah. Uh-huh. So it was funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm... I'm so curious what it's going to be like when we can like go places again and we can visit all of the people that we've met on the internet. I know. That's the story of my life though. I feel like even before COVID, I've made all my friends on the internet. What are your favorite places to be on the internet? Um, what are my favorite places? Like what are my favorite apps? Yeah, because like I've been talking to people about like especially the way that people are using socials like during this time. Um, and that like people have discovered that there are corners of the internet that they haven't been before. Like they're like, oh, I didn't know Twitch was a thing because I'm not a video game user. Mm -hmm. Oh, Twitch is really interesting. Like stuff like that. Like people yeah. are all of a sudden like, wait a second. Yeah, I feel like I I spend a lot of time on on Instagram or like TikTok. Mm -hmm. To be honest, 
I've got to say, like the TikTok for you page is alarmingly accurate to the point that it sometimes makes me uncomfortable. Same. <laughs> like, that like, seems to be the consensus. Whoever is programming their algo, like it learns so fast too. Like I had gotten it a while ago and then just kind of ignored it, but like, what else am I going to do? And (laughs) it caught on way faster to what I like. Like Instagram still quite sure what it is I like. I know. It's really (laughs) wild. It catches on so quick. Have you met people that you ended up collaborating with on TikTok or is it more of like a passive scroll? Because I know people tend to use it pretty differently depending on who you chat with. Yeah, no, I sort of just like watch videos of dogs. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, Yeah, mine is like, do you like ADHD and queer culture? And And I'm like, I do like ADHD, (laughs) but but, but, uh, how? I know, (laughs) it's so weird. I literally was like, uh, I was like, um, diagnosed with OCD like a few weeks ago. And I was like, but I don't see OCD videos on my For You page. Like, how could I have OCD? Like, TikTok didn't know about this. Like, <laughs> so funny. Did it get any of like the adjacent comorbid often things? Or was it like missing that entirely? And it was just like, you need some dogs. well I think I only like videos of dogs (laughs) you're like I hid this even from my for you page yeah literally not even the internet could figure it out (gasps) I'm glad that you mentioned that though like I think that especially now like people talking about mental health like I think that there's Mm -hmm. been this interesting renaissance in the people for a while were like Ugh, anytime someone is talking about mental health it's just for attention and I actually yeah. have mental health and I'm like no 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 this is good do more of this yeah it's important <laughs> it's vitally important and especially once you figure out like what your constellation of things are that are going on then then you can actually affect change and feel a bit better yeah literally oh yeah that's that's life-changing also like to get there's a song in a there's a show called crazy ex-girlfriend where like one of the characters gets a diagnosis and she's like so excited that she breaks into song about like how much she Mm -hmm. looks like having a diagnosis (laughs) it's honestly hard to get like like it's pretty corrupt in the u.s how hard it is to have doctors take you seriously and like and actually receive a diagnosis yes Yes, a lot of mental health is dismissed, is what I would say mm-hmm. best. Yeah. Um, especially for like people of color. Yep, especially with something like OCD, that's pretty specific. And also there's like great treatments for it. And so once you can mm-hmm. access that, it's really, it can be life-changing. Yeah, I feel pretty lucky to have gotten the diagnosis. I think yeah. it's pretty mild, but I wouldn't have known, you know. Yeah, people think about even like sometimes going to get diagnosed and whatnot, like it can be scary to even ponder going in because it's the unknown. You're like, well, maybe if I just ignore this thing, like it'll either get better and or I won't have to pay attention to it. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important to like just follow your gut and, and like talking to somebody doesn't make anything permanent, you know, just like if anything, hopefully it'll just validate your feelings a little bit more. Yeah. 
I really like someone said to me once that like naming a problem doesn't create it. It just gives you mm -hmm. space to actually talk about it. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. It's <laughs> a really powerful statement. <gasps> yeah. I think so often we're scared to to bring something up for fear that that will make it real. And then it's like, no, 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 it's already there. Like then yeah, you can... <laughs> it was real the whole time. <laughs> then you can deal with it. Um, yeah, literally. I'm glad you're doing that during this time as well. Like, did you find that like over the course of the year, like, did you have more time to actually like slow down and reflect on stuff? Uh, I, I think I did. Yeah, definitely. Being on tour makes it hard to do anything <laughs> for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think anytime I'm home is a time that I need to use to reflect. That makes sense. And that, wow, that must have been kind of a disorienting shift to go from like being on tour to then all of a sudden, and now... No, mm -hmm. literally, it was really wild. But I feel like a lot of musicians have been used to that. Like everybody knows that like post tour depression feeling because it's like so much overstimulation, so much busy stuff to do. And then all of a sudden there's like nothing because you're off for like a month or something. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that feeling wasn't new. It was just like longer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like how you said like it's usually a month and then this time it was like a year forever that month. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just imagine like silly putty getting like stretched. Um, yeah, literally. Yeah. It's really cool to hear that you turned to like a different art form during that time too. Cause like did you feel any pressure, I guess, during that time to create music or um no pressure. I actually no pressure at all, which is nice. I just am sort of always creating. And luckily there, you know, there were moments where it felt super uninspired, but for the most part, I was able to, to keep, uh, keep writing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that especially as we're like kind of rounding the corner on like spring part two. It's been interesting mm -hmm. talking to people about how their process has changed because at various points of this, like inspiration has been scarce just because we were so freaked out at different parts of the year. Mm -hmm. Literally, yeah. I feel like there were definitely like a few weeks where I was like, what the hell is going on? I'm not <laughs> yeah. anything, I'm not gonna touch my kitchen. You know, like nobody could move. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, really freaky. Yeah. And it's very strange, especially when like your job is literally be like, hey, can you feel some feelings and then yeah. make stuff based on them? And you're like, I think I'm actually feeling so many things that I'm now effectively numb. So no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I can't do that for you right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. But my way of like dealing with things has always been writing. So I, I wasn't, it was, it wasn't like a force to get to write again. It was pretty natural. That's good. I'm glad that it was there for you. Um, Cause yeah, there were other people that I talked to that like had the same reaction you did where you're like, it was kind of like solace and like a place to actually process mm -hmm. whereas others were like, oh no, that is the scary place now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never like, when I get in a place where I'm, where I feel scared to write, something is wrong you know like I hate feeling like that I mm -hmm. I try to write every day because it takes away the um the idea that it's such a huge process you know like yeah 
if I write every day, then um, it's when I want to like start writing an album, it's not going to be feel as big of a deal. Yeah, that's a cool way to put it that it's like it's part of your everyday experience instead of something that's like yeah. verified because that could yeah. put more pressure on you if it's something that is only done at certain times. Yeah, exactly. Like I just it yeah, there's no writing's always been something that I do regularly. So like why why now disrupt? Like my whole life is getting disrupted like at the start of the pandemic, like mm -hmm. why would I change the one thing that I consistently do, you know? Right. Right. So that makes sense. That makes total sense. And I think that like yeah. I liked what you said that then when it comes time to like compile an album, it's almost like I would imagine then you have like so much material yeah. you can draw on. Cause I think that's another thing that like people who, who write a ton, I mean, not everything you write is going to make it onto like what people end up hearing. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God, definitely. <laughs> like 90% of the things I write, never, I'll never show anyone. Yes. I have like, know? weird vaults of notebooks that I'm just like yep I needed to get through the weird vault of notebooks so I get to like the yeah. one thing that I share yeah exactly yep it's it it feels like yeah I don't know people are like when did you start your album and I'm like I don't know <laughs> what do you mean? always writing <gasps> and it's kind of fun to go back and like I don't know if you do this but I kind of like to like pick things from different like things that I've written down and kind of like mm. stitch them together because sometimes I might write down like a line of something that has nothing to do with whatever the context was originally that I actually like yeah. different context yeah yeah totally yeah I write down so many things in my notes app yes oh my god I sometimes wonder like if anybody opened my notes app what they would think because it's like it would <laughs> mine's nonsense it makes me no, it, like, I don't think anybody, it's just not even, it's gibberish. <sighs> Do you ever, when you're sitting down, like, go through some of your notes and just try and remember, like, what, what happened in that moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. Um, that's my favorite thing to do on plane rides. <sighs> I love like, that. Go through my voice memos and my notes and delete the ones that are just, like, a space bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Or like I'll have like six different voice memos of the same like 10 seconds of a song yep and like the most like the last one is the only one that's right but for some reason I kept all the other takes <laughs> <laughs> well I do that too because sometimes it's like you never know and like I'll, I'll have it saved usually in my phone is like whatever the thing is and it's like v1 mm -hmm. v2 yeah v5 <laughs> yeah literally yeah. <laughs> <gasps> yep it's strange to feel like we have these little, like, little digital archives of our processes just carry around with us. So weird. It's really cool. I kind of love it. Like, when you're writing, do you find yourself, like, looking through? I tend to, like, actually look through my own photos and notes more than I scroll on the internet, weirdly, when I'm writing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Same. Yeah, I do that, too. Because, um, yeah, if I, if I go on Insta, that actually distracts me, usually. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely like, I hang up a lot of stuff around my room, like a lot of old photos and Aww. like rip pages out of magazines that I like and stuff like that. So that when I'm writing in my room, like I, I have something that's like visually stimulating to look at. 
That's a fantastic idea. And I think people underestimate that, that like the environment in which you're writing affects you and that like having those little talismans around like helps you to actually spark ideas. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like not to dunk on anybody who has a really like clean aesthetic in their studio space, but mm -hmm. that confuses me personally. Same, I can't handle that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, why? Yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I guess like in some ways it's like, oh, tune into what's in your mind. But I know that my mind at least is sometimes more easily sparked by like, I already have 17 ideas in here. I need one that I can attach to like a pretty shiny thing, like a magpie on the outside. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally get that. Do you find yourself like, because you were just on tour, like, do you find yourself writing when you're on tour? Do you find yourself, I mean, you do write consistently, but like, do mm -hmm. you find that then you've been writing different things now that you've been more stationary again at home? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to write on tour. I think like, um, it's, I go through phases with writing too. Like when I was putting my album out a couple months ago, like I was doing press and drawing so much and really focusing on the visual world of my album that I didn't write anything for like two months, basically, and I'm just now starting to write again. Huh. Yeah. What does it feel like returning to it? It feels really good. Yeah. I'm like much happier as a person. <laughs> yeah. I'm also glad to hear you didn't pressure yourself during those two months to be like, why am I not writing? It's more like, oh, this is the time for this other thing. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny that the question that popped in my head, which I'm like, this is kind of meta considering it's like a podcast, but I'm like, what is it like, I guess, doing press around what you wrote? Because that's a totally different process. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it kind of sucks sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I have to like explain what I feel. Why? You know? You're like, wasn't this enough that I gave you the record? Yeah, I'm like, the record is so many words. Like, you need more words from me. <laughs> <gasps> That's really funny. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes trying to talk about the things you create, you're like, uh, I don't know. It's the thing that I made here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's pretty self-explanatory, but... <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, it's so funny. But a lot of time, I, I feel like I actually learn a lot about myself when answering questions about myself, because people ask me things that I never would have thought to put into words. Right, right. And that, I mean, and also, like, especially during a time when we're not interacting in person with people, that must have been kind of curious to be doing that with, like, mm -hmm. I mean, happening right now, where you're like, hey, I'm in a conversation with someone I've never met before, just like, mm -hmm. trying to Zoom. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's also cool. I also honestly, I'm like, I kind of liked being able to put this album out and not like immediately have to go on tour or like immediately have to like travel and do press because um, like, I don't feel like I'm being perceived. <laughs> like, I feel like no one can see me, you know? Yes. And yes. I'm, I'm really valuing that right now. That's, think, yeah, yeah, go on being visible is just like really vulnerable sometimes so it's it's nice to be able to have some type of boundary i'm nodding that yeah mm -hmm. i got excited when you said that because that's come up so much in conversation i mean both here and then like in my personal life that it's like 
This is one of the first times we've ever had the experience of living without being perceived or observed, really. Mm -hmm. um, it's like in some ways we've become our own audience. And yeah. it's freeing, but also in some ways, like I know a lot of people who have felt that their identity has shifted pretty greatly during this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like... I don't know. Honestly, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Because, like, in some ways, when, you know, when you are being perceived by others, in some ways, like, it does change your own internal narrative because it's, like, an interplay. Whereas when it's just you, and like you said, like, mm -hmm. you can set up that boundary, which in some ways I think coming out of this will be very useful going forward. Like, yeah. I think that, at least I know that I personally now, like, don't feel an obligation to, like, do things I don't want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same. It's much easier to say no and like set boundaries for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like touring is like such a such a privilege and such an honor to be able to do. Like I I find it an honor to be asked to, you know, play yeah. my music and yeah. hear in front of people, but um I, I think I think now that it's almost like emphasized how much of a like special moment being in, in person in a physical realm with somebody is mm -hmm. you know so and that's another reason why I'm like even more excited to get back to touring because I think people will really cherish it and value it in a way that they didn't before yeah like it it feels like when shows do start coming back, like one, it, it feels like at least now we can kind of play shows on our own terms instead of like, you know, kind of being burnt out to the point that most touring artists I know are because touring mm -hmm. is incredibly rigorous. So um, rigorous, yeah. But like, then also that audiences in a way, like it was something we kind of, even in like, I mean, it sounds silly coming from LA because I'm like, yeah, there's shows here and same with like in New York, there's like multiple shows every single night. Like if you wanted to go see shows every night, you could. Yeah. And so it's like having that taken away, it's almost like, I feel like maybe people will hopefully be more purposeful about what shows they attend and like yeah. how they attend them and like. And how they treat the artists. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I think people, you know, treat the artists not so great sometimes yes it's like this double-edged thing where either you have people that are super into it and that's what makes it so fulfilling to be able to share mm -hmm. the action and then you have people that you're like why did you not just go to like a bar yeah exactly <laughs> like, you're like why are you here <laughs> yeah a hundred percent like i yeah it's exact i yeah i feel like people will now I'm hoping to see less of that talking over people's sets like I think if you're going to a show it's because you're going to a show you know yes like this is my favorite artist I haven't seen them play in two years you know yes that's what I'm hoping I'm like I, I just physically crossed my fingers because I'm super cheesy I was like I'm crossing <laughs> my fingers for that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I think yeah I think everybody's hoping <laughs> because yeah it's almost like it's the lesson of like quality over quantity where now like it's been taken away completely um yeah. 
So it's like, okay, if we get it back, remember to like treat it well. <laughs> yeah, otherwise you're not getting him again. Exactly. I'm not going to come play a show for you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I think especially like I know that people have been like streaming online and that I think is its own interesting experience. Like it's not a replacement for a live experience, but I do think no. it would be an interesting like standalone experience. Yeah, I see that. I, I honestly like I've I I've enjoyed some of my live stream experiences. I think it's been teaching me a lot about my set. Mm hmm. And about how I'm going to perform it in the future. Um, and it gives me more room to do more things like visually. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what do you feel has changed? And like, what did you learn doing it? Um, I definitely like, I mean, in the past, I've had zero budget. So I've had zero stage design, you know, like, I've never been able to do anything like that. And I'm hoping in the future, like right now, I'm trying to pl plan ways to still with a small budget still have some sort of stage design moment you know yeah um or just like be able to bring my world to life uh like my visual world to life i love that you're talking about making things more vibrant and it sounds like literally a mariachi band just visited your home oh my god i know it's <laughs> so my neighborhood is so loud i'm sorry no that's amazing i was like i love that i can literally like I can feel like I'm where you are based on just the <laughs> sonic landscape and it's phenomenal. It's getting louder, isn't it? Oh, it's increasing. The <laughs> band is coming for you. <laughs> They're like in my bedroom right now. Oh, they away. It's so funny. I was just like, where did they appear from? <laughs> <laughs> just driving down the street. Oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like creating creating a world like that like when you're talking about your visuals and how you felt connected to that they were colorful and they were vibrant and like just creating that world I can totally imagine that for for any sort of like stage setup where it's like incorporating whether it's in lights or whether it's in a backdrop or whether it's in projections or like things that you make that bring that aspect to your show mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's so fun to think about honestly like I, I love that kind of thing and I'm like my own whatever it means like to be my own creative director but I definitely mm -hmm. do like all my own uh visual stuff and so I'm like having such a nice time being able to to plan it yeah because at least when you're doing live streams and also when you're making music videos it's almost like when you're in the studio you can like plot things so precisely mm -hmm. yeah but yeah, because I just, honestly, like, I am kind of, like, grateful for this time to be able to plan it in the future, but yeah, It'll be interesting to see how you feel playing live again, because, like, how does it feel when you've been playing on live streams? Like, how do you gauge, because so much of playing live is, like, the interplay with the audience. I'm like, how do you gauge that when mm -hmm. you're streaming? Oh, my God, it was so weird. Like, we played to an empty Brooklyn Steel um, last week, and... Yeah um the first few songs I was like this has to be a fever dream because every song would end and then it would just be like dead silence and no. because it was being live streamed so there were people watching online but it just felt like I was like rehearsing 
you know? Um, but honestly, that show was cool because it was like a lot of the people who worked at the, the venue was their first time being back in a year. So that was cool. But oh, yeah. That cool. That's, yeah, I think I was talking to someone else earlier in the, I've lost all sense of what time is and I know it's a construct mm-hmm. anyway, but like I was like, at, at some point earlier in this melange of strangeness, I was talking with someone about like what this experience must be like for the people that actually support uh, touring and live music, like all of the engineers and technicians. And, yeah. Yeah. Sucks. It really sucks. Yes. That must have been cool to though, like actually be able to be like, hey, we're coming back. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were all like, whoa, this is weird yeah <laughs> like they were like making fun of my drummer for forgetting his like snare stand because like that's something you would never forget normally but like of course he forgot it because he hasn't played a live show in like a million years yes when you have to like because you get in the you know the mode of like knowing which bags you're grabbing which things you're grabbing but it's yeah. like, if you're not playing gigs regularly it's a whole thing yeah exactly that's really really funny i know <laughs> like how do you forget that Uh, (laughs) that that sounds surreal though like finishing a song and then like that's what I would imagine is it's almost like unless you're the one that's like monitoring like the chat stream or something like Mm -hmm. it's almost like there's that empty air afterwards yeah exactly and then I like did a Q&A but they just like put the questions on a google doc and I was like are you guys real like I'm not convinced (laughs) anybody's actually watching this right now (laughs) that's that's really surreal. I know, it was so strange. <laughs> I feel like lucky I was able to do it, but it was definitely weird. I liked, uh, I was talking to the artist, uh, Hana, about like how she interacts with people on Twitch. And that's what made me think of it, that it's like, at the very least, like she has another screen where she can see like what people are saying in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have that. I wish I had that. Yeah. <laughs> I should have asked for that. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I was just like, now, now you have the power. <laughs> Literally. Oh my God. So strange. Claude gets drunk on power, goes on Twitch. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, at least then you can see like sort of how people are reacting and you can, you can interact with their energy. Cause that's, that's kind of usually the difference between like, Hey, I'm playing live. And I mean, obviously it is about like interacting with your bandmates too, but like, mm-hmm. that's the difference between that and like, Hey, I'm writing something in the studio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so weird. Yeah. With like, with this collection of songs, did you mainly like engineer and produce things on your own? Like, how did you manage that during this time? Um, so I spent like the f- first, like, well, in January and February of like 2020, well, 2020, uh-huh. um, I was doing a lot of writing and recording. And so a lot of the album songs are from then. Mm-hmm. And then when the pandemic hit, I rewrote and produced a lot of stuff just at home, mm-hmm. sending stuff back and forth with, you know, people that I usually work with. And then, um, like in like this past this last summer uh when things were a little more people were figuring out what was happening you know and how to like uh I drove 
back to New York where I live and um, I uh, finished the album safely, but I finished it at Electric Lady. Sweet. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> wish you could just see my face. I was so California that I was like, sweet. <laughs> okay, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people are like, are you really from LA? Like, you're awfully pale and eccentric. And I'm like, no, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you've never heard me say sweet before. Exactly. That's when, like, the valley girl comes out and you're like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, like, during this time, I've talked to other people about, like, kind of having to develop different skills within your musicianship mm-hmm. that like since in part like I'm so glad that like you had that experience actually I'm like oh it sounds like such a mm, so zesty being able to actually be in that studio um but yeah so you amazing. Also, oh my god you also got to record stuff on your own though too which like mm-hmm. I think that both are really informative of like when you're doing stuff on your own versus when you're doing stuff with like engineers and other producers and like mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you pick up any new stuff when you said like you re-recorded more of it? Like, did you mm-hmm. find yourself exploring the songs differently on your own? Definitely. Yeah. I just, uh, some of it I re-recorded, but some of, some of the stuff was just like, I gave myself the space to try to produce it myself first before bringing it to somebody. Yeah. Cause I just like, I had never really given myself space to do that. And I, that side of the industry is so overrun by men that I just never thought that I could do it too. Yep. yep. So I felt, so I finally gave myself like the space and I'm starting to do it a lot more now. You didn't, you can't see me, but much like I just said, sweet, like my California mm-hmm. girl was just like, ah, <laughs> yes. yeah. um, I'm, I'm a huge believer that we need more not men um, engineering <laughs> records. Yeah, same. I mean, there are a lot of really talented, amazing producers who aren't men, but um, it's definitely overrun by by men. Well, and what you said, like the not giving yourself space, like that's the reason why I want there to be more not men and also more visibility for not men. Um, because I've talked to a lot of people and I felt similarly, where it's like, I didn't give myself the space to produce because I didn't see Mm-hmm. other women or non-binary people producing so I was like oh okay mm-hmm. like I can take my songs to a certain point but then like someone else has to finish them and the model I had for the someone else was usually a man yeah um and so like having people either like put out things that they've produced or like really just hyping up like engineers and producers they've worked with so more people can see like hey like you can step into this space and also collaborate with other people who have like it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like you take it to like that one dude like not not that that one dude is bad but like Mm -hmm. there's way more people than that dude yeah exactly um yeah I think it's important for for other artists to go oh yeah well I saw them do it maybe Mm -hmm. I'll give maybe I'll give a shot Uh, (laughs) yeah I guess like also, do you feel differently when you are like engineering your own stuff? Like, was there stuff that you felt like, oh, I could really nail this? Or is there stuff that you're like, oh, I actually want to learn more from someone else that's working on this with me? Um, I mean, some songs on the album, I was sort of just like, okay, nobody's going to touch this, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, except for mixing. Mixing is 
kind of a different process, but yes. um, I don't know. Like I do like to embrace collaborator collaborators. Mm -hmm. I really like the process of collaborating. I just wish there were like, it was with, or sorry, I just took a screenshot of something on my screen, but <laughs> was that loud? Can you hear that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, it was so loud on my end, but. That's so funny. I was just like, nah, we've had, we've had helicopters. We've had Mary <laughs> bands, like. Literally. That's so funny. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, I think collaborating is a beautiful thing. And I think asking for help when you need it is a difficult thing to do. So I definitely applaud anybody who could do that. Yeah. Um, yes. And I, yeah, I just wish there was like, I had a wider network of, of people who weren't like cis men. Yes. Help me. <laughs> me. <laughs> I guess, how have you found the people that you collaborate with and... Like, I wish for you as well to have a wider network. Like, that's that's low-key my dream for everybody to be like, hey, here's this cool person I worked with. Like, you should work with him too. Like, honestly, like, I always hype, like, my vocal producer, who's also, like, an engineer and mixer and is amazing. Her name is Angel M. And, like, I literally mention her to everybody because I'm like, I want more people to know that there's this rad engineer. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like, totally. I guess, like, who have you been working with and how do you find people that, like, you want to work with? Um, Instagram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally just Instagram. Uh, the person who, like, mastered my record is uh, this woman named Heba Kadri. Kadri? I don't know. I've never met her in real life, but um, found her online and she's she's really awesome she did a great job mastering my record and excellent yeah she's so cool i was like we shall tell everyone of her name <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you're scrolling on insta how do you find other artists because that's hilarious that i'm like i'm glad you find artists on insta insta seems to think that all i want is like really comfy sweat sets and i mean it's not wrong like, <laughs> but I I want more than that <laughs> oh just like listening like act, like people share music on their stories all the time but I like actually listen you know like I actually will almost every time like go check out the artist I'm so glad that you do that that <laughs> Like, I sometimes wonder, like, I'm like, well, someone, like, watched the story, but did they, then they listen to the thing? And uh -huh. good to know that you're out there listening. Yeah, I always do. Even That's if people, awesome. like, message me their music, I pretty much always listen. <laughs> I love that. Because, yeah, that's, like, that's how you discover all the like hidden gems out there because especially yeah. if someone doesn't have like representation or they haven't had the chance to like distribute their music widely all sorts of stuff it's like it just takes one person listening to be like oh I want to make something with you or, oh I think that's rad mm -hmm. yeah I think it's it's definitely I, like why limit yourself to, to art that could you know affect you yeah yeah and I mean, because I was thinking about like, it's funny, in the email your publicist had sent, it was that you had started recording music when you were a freshman in university, and then you left. And I was just like, I was like, there's so much more to that story there. Because I'm like, who is listening? Like, someone listened. 
someone was like, ah, this. And I was just like, oh, I wonder who they like connected with that they were like, oh, these are the people that listen. And these are the people that like I collaborate with. And I was like, I'm, I'm just curious about like what happened. Yeah, I, um, I put out an EP with my friend Josh. Um, we were in a duo called Toast. And um, uh, like, basically, we were opening for some artists in New York. And the, I remember like one of the first artists that started following us was like Maria from the Marias. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to go on tour when I only had like two songs out. And I was like a duo, which it was her first tour too. So she was like, hey, this is like going to be a small tour. It's our first one. We're going on tour with this band called, called Triathlon. They're a New York band. Um, and we were wondering if you like wanted to open for us for a few weeks. And I was like, yeah, like I'd love that. But Josh, who was part of the, my project at the time was, um, he wasn't ready to like, take the semester off of school like he didn't mm -hmm. want to do that mm -hmm. um so he was like you should just try it like you should just take the semester off and see if you like touring and mm -hmm. and I did and like one tour led to another and I, I never really like made it back to school but yeah that's and I like that also like that was a weird thought but I was like I like that you also respected where Josh was at and that Josh was like hey why don't you try this like this looks mm -hmm. like where you're at mm-hmm Oh, beautiful friendos. Yeah, was, <laughs> I think I got like really like because I went to school at Syracuse for a year and I the environment there was really supportive. I got really lucky with like the music scene there. Everybody yes. was, you know, really just I had everybody in their best interest, you know. That's really amazing because, yeah, like I find that it is sometimes hard to balance like music and academics, music and different jobs and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I guess, do you think that you'd ever like return to school at any point? Like I'm curious, I was like, oh, what are you studying? Um, I think I've always wanted to like maybe go back to school for something other than music. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was studying like music business basically. Like mm -hmm. I never really got, I, my whole freshman year was gen ed. So I never actually really took a music business class, but <laughs> such yeah. as often the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because I think that much like our our healthcare system our education system is also labyrinthine and horrible in the way yeah. that people um however I think that education in general is amazing mm -hmm. um, and that in fact more people should just have access to it um everybody should have access to it uh-huh 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 and so that's why, like, it's funny whenever I ask people, like, oh, do you think you'd ever go back to school? Or, like, what do you want to study? People are like, oh, should I be part of that system? I was like, no, no, no. I just think learning is really cool. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Especially as creators, it's like, it's good to expand your knowledge base because you learn mm -hmm. more about yourself and others. And that makes you a better creator. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah. I talked to someone that it was interesting. They went back for like a master's in creative writing, like in their forties. They were like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. literally. <gasps> it's like, I love that. Like, mm -hmm. 
I hope that, you know, throughout the decades of my life, I hope that I get to learn new things each decade. That would be awfully boring to be like, here's all your knowledge. You're done. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I think in a way it balances with emotion, particularly in, in songwriting, because so much of songwriting is emotive, but it's informed by like your experience and knowledge base too. Mm-hmm. Totally. 100%. That makes sense now also how you're like, I love that you like, just like dipped your toe in touring and then it was like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't exact. It was more like I did one tour. I did the tour with the Marigos and then a few months later I did another one. And then a few months later, I think I did like three or four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which was like kind of a lot, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was like that. That's a lot of touring. <laughs> it was mainly just like opening for bands. Like I really liked being on, being around other musicians all the time, every day. Like sometimes they didn't even really need me to open for them. I just, I couldn't really sell many tickets, but they just, you know, it was just fun to be around them. And oh, <laughs> that's, I was like, that's the most endearing thing I've heard lately. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I guess like, what do you see kind of in your future? Like, what are you up to now? And what do you see kind of like coming down the road now that you have kind of like opened up to writing again, but that also now you have this other avenue that you created with all of the art that you've made. I'm like, now you're kind of like, I don't know. It sounds like you're kind of fomenting a lot of things at once. Yeah, I, I'm excited to bring a visual show to life. Mm-hmm. Um, um mainly I'd just be like I feel like it would be a big enough accomplishment just to like be able to play a show again you know yeah so yeah. that's definitely something I'm like looking forward to in the future yeah I agree it's gonna feel it's gonna feel really interesting playing shows again frankly like I, I don't know how to anticipate how it'll feel same <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I know there's going to be big feelings, but I don't know what they are yet, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're going to be present and it'll be mm -hmm. cool to actually meet the people who've been experiencing your record too. Yeah, that'll be really fun and be able to see people's reactions in like live time. Yeah, yeah, because that's one cool thing about making a record is that you don't know like, like kind of what's going to happen to the songs afterwards. You're just like, ta-da, here you go. Um, but then like people have their own relationship with the songs. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's gonna be cool to participate. Really cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Aw. I guess like in closing, what would you want to impart to other people who are creating during this time or, you know, even thinking about creating during this time? Mm -hmm. I just think it's important that uh, to remind or sort of like remind yourself not to be so hard on yourself especially right now, like yeah. uh, the internet can make things seem like everybody's doing so much and everybody's doing so much better than you are, but really like, that's just not the case, you know? Um, and, you know, we're all like multidimensional human beings that only show a one side, like one side of ourselves online. So yeah, I feel like my advice would just to be like not to take it so seriously and and if you're creating art just 
you know, keep your head down in a way that like doesn't let other people, let other people feel you and don't let them distract you, you know? Mm. Like if there's an artist that is distracting you or making you feel bad about yourself, then you have to figure out a way to like not let that happen. Like you should really only be surrounding yourself with art that gets you excited. And yeah. And I like how you frame that, that it's like you want to, in a way, kind of not like stay in your own lane, but it's like focus on what you're doing and evaluate who's in your environment and don't like blame people that don't feel good in your environment. Like you don't have to like shun them, but just know that it's like, oh, if that's not for you, that's okay. Much like your art's not going to be for everybody and that's okay. It's like, it sounds like focusing on your own stuff and surrounding yourself with people that are inspiring to you. Exactly. Also, definitely you're right on that whole Insta front where of course it looks like people are doing stuff because they're only going to post about the stuff they're actually doing. They're not going to post being like, hello. Exactly. I've done nothing today. Yeah. Then <laughs> now I'm wondering. I'm actually going to post that. I've done yes. nothing today. That would be, that's what I was like, literally, that was my next thought. <laughs> I was like, that would be the best post just to be like, hey, just wanted to check in that like, I accomplished nothing today. There's an ice cream truck. There, yeah, there's one here. Sorry. Oh no, that makes me so happy. Do not apologize for ice cream mm-hmm. trucks. I was like, that made me happy when I heard it like in the distance on the recording. I was like, oh, an ice cream truck is coming towards you. Like not aggressively, but like happily down the street. <laughs> like, <gasps> Yeah, it's like, oh, maybe I should run out and get some ice cream. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to that idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I gotta go then. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for being so generous with your time. I was like, catch the ice cream truck. Get one of those, like, weird Ninja Turtle ones. Like, those are very freaky looking, but very tasty. Ooh, I like those, yeah. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. (laughs) 